Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I want to thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. God, I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody here under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's say our Bible confession together. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Family, we're going to be targeting something very specific today, and it'll be part one, and we'll continue next session, but I want you to be extremely focused today. We're going to try to identify a very specific aspect of our re-engage category. But let's jump, go ahead and jump into this. As you know, starting with our first image, as you know, our vision has three categories. And even though our vision as written has some specific orders, we've already stated previously that we're gonna do them in a different order. And the reason why those reasons are on previous, you know, episodes, if you choose to go back and listen to them, that'll, that'll be okay. But the order that we have determined is that we're going to first talk about restore, which we've done, re-engage, which we're going to do starting today, and then rebuild. For re-engage, I need to give you a moment because I want to I be able to show you something here. So just give them a moment to pull. To pull that up. Here we go. We're talking about re-engage starting in this session. And the way the goal reads in, you know, images that you've seen before is as it's shown here. The goal reads, regardless of the fear or failure, the righteous get up without condemnation into the arms of the risen king. That as a goal doesn't give you something to do. But I put it that way so that it would match whatever you have in your notes. However, if we were to put that in a written goal, it would be this. Re-engage life, regardless of the fear or failure, and re-engage it without condemnation 
knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. And we will, we will put that in writing so that next time it was up there. But I just wanted you to know, this is the way it's shown, has always been shown, but just like restore, when we go back and we expand it to make sure it's clearer, that's the clearer goal for re-engage. And the scripture references that we're using, Proverbs 24, verses 15 through 16 in the Message Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and John chapter 20. We're going to start, though, in a very different place. And for the ladies of WOW, just so you know, we're going to start in Joshua. So what you're getting ready to hear, you will probably hear again. Just a newsflash for you. So when you hear me say it again, you already know that, listen, I told you up front. But in Joshua, book of Joshua, we're going to jump in at chapter 7. And just to give you a little insight, leading into chapter 7, they have just successfully won the battle of Jericho. They get into chapter 7, and what happens is they suffer defeat against a much smaller opponent, a small town called Ai. At this point, because of the defeat, Joshua and his folks are wallowing in sorrow and defeat. Here we pick this up, and Joshua is going to be talking to God. Here we go. This is Joshua chapter 7, verses 6 through 9 in the voice. It reads, Then Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their robes and fell into the dirt in front of the covenant chest of the Eternal, putting dust on their heads, remaining there until evening. Joshua, now talking to God, says, Why, eternal one, O Lord, why have you brought us across the Jordan if only to let the Amorites destroy us? It would have been better for us to settle on the other side of the Jordan, Lord. How am I going to explain to our fighting men that our fighting men have had to run for their lives? The people of Canaan, all the inhabitants of this land, will hear that we have been defeated. They'll surround us and destroy us as a people forever. And then how will the world remember your great name? He is wallowing in defeat. He is wallowing in failure. Family, sometimes events in life can put us in this position. Events in life can have us living through what we are going to call unpleasant situations. And those unpleasant situations drum up feelings, and those feelings cause us to potentially take this position of just wallowing in it. Unpleasant situations, though, shouldn't be surprise, a surprise for us as believers because Jesus told us that we would have some hard times. You've read it before, but let's show you here in John chapter 16. John chapter 16 in the voice, verse 33, Jesus is talking, I have told you these things so that you will be whole and at peace. In this world, you will be not just have a few, you will be plagued with times of trouble. But you need not fear 
I have triumphed over this corrupt world order. The part we want to take out there for this particular session is Jesus is saying, you're going to have trouble sometime. Unpleasant life events are quite possible and will likely materialize in a variety of different ways. You shouldn't be surprised when they come up, when they show up at your door. Jesus already told you. And the variety of different ways can be, hey, a variety of different ways. If we just look at it from a relational standpoint, you could have betrayal by a friend or someone that you trusted. You can have a broken relationship, divorce, separation. You can have personal failure. You did the best you could to accomplish what you tried to accomplish, and you failed miserably. All of those things can happen. And what we have is we have Joshua having failed, and what he's doing is wallowing in it. Our tendency is that whenever we have a situation that really hits us hard, causes us to stumble, we tend to point at that situation and we say, that is the situation that caused me to fall. We look at a situation, and let's be honest, life situations, life in general, has a variety of different, different, different punch combinations that it can throw at you. And some of those punches, when it hits you, it can buckle you to your knees. Those punches can even be such that when they hit you, you can find yourself laying flat on your back. And as you lay flat on your back, it's easy to point to the situation and tell other people, even yourself, that is the reason why I got knocked down. And that's more than likely true. Unfortunately, though, family, we tend to take the next step and we point at that same situation, that same circumstance, that same event, and we say that particular incident is the reason why, here's the switch, we are still down. Even though the first statement that it knocked you down may be actually Spot on, that latter statement, that that thing is the reason why you're still down, is often false. I want to have you say something with me. Because as believers, we need this thing to get rooted down in your spirit. Because nobody is making any case against the truth or the fact or the reality that sometimes, as a believer, life may knock you down. But I want you to say this with me. Give me this next image. We're going to say this together. Because it's true, family, life may knock you down. But let's say this together. Ready, go. As believers, life may knock you down, but most likely you are keeping you down. Oh, yeah. 
Life can, life can hit you in the gut, and that hit in the gut can buckle you to your knees. But the reality is, once you've been knocked down to your knees, it's not necessarily what has happened to you that's keeping you down. More likely than not, you are the one who is keeping you down. Here we have Joshua on his knees crying because he's failed. He is, he, is, he is claiming and taking ownership of defeat. And you know what? All evidence in his mind is pointing to, hey, guess what? This issue that I'm having, this event in my life has knocked me down. And he's, for some reason, wallowing in it. Loved ones, he's praying to God. And what the most elementary truth of all of this is, is that his praying is fine. You and I both know, and if you don't, you should know, that prayer is an elementary, fundamental, irreplaceable part of this Christian life. It is a tool like no other. No one is telling you that prayer is bad. Prayer, you, you pray, Jesus said pray without ceasing. You should pray. But in all your prayer, the most foundational thing I want you to know is that once you've been knocked down, getting up takes effort. You can't just pray your way up. You can't just pray your way to your feet. You can't just pray yourself back, in, back into engaging. At some point in time, if you gonna get up, guess what? You got to get up. You got to get up. You got to get up to get up. You got to fight to fight. You got to engage to engage. You got to try to try. You got to start to start. You got to get in the game to get in the game. You got to put some effort into living to enjoy life. You got to do something. You can't just pray yourself and continue to blame that situation for why you still are where you are. Say this with me. You cannot stake your claim in this, position. in this position. What do I mean by that? I mean that you cannot lay claim to your kingdom right as a victor while playing the role of a victim. Can't do it. You can't be both victor and victim. You can't be both overcomer and victim. You can't be both an ambassador and a scrub at the same time. You can't be both. You got to choose. Choose now this day who you going to be. Not who you going to serve, who you going to be. If you're going to be a victor, be a victor. If you're going to be a victim, keep wallowing. But being a victim won't get you up. You cannot stake your claim as someone who is part of the kingdom, a king's kid, heir to the throne, and at the same time, Everything that comes out of your mouth is I'm a victim. 
Everything that you do says I'm a victim. Everything that you can't do it. Life may knock you down. But life is not necessarily the element that's keeping you down. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times you are the one who's keeping you down. Even though you are right that life did knock you down. But life swinging at your head shouldn't surprise you. What should surprise you is how willingly you accept defeat. Joshua is on the ground wallowing. What is God's response? Check it. Now, this is all of those verses together, but some of them are small on purpose because we're not really looking and read that. We just want to get God's take on this. Give me the next one. They tore their robes. Verse 7, Joshua was saying, oh, why, Lord? What is verse 10? What does God tell him? Get up. What you doing in the dirt? What you crying about? He ultimately tells them, get up and tell the people that da 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 He tells him why he's having the issue that he's, hitting, he's having. In other words, get up. How did people do this? How do people do that? You do this. You do that. Hey, Joshua, yeah, you failed. I see you messed up, but doggone it, crying don't change nothing. Get up and engage. Get up. Get up. Get up. Yeah, something happened in life that you don't like. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Get up. Okay, you're crying. I'm not making light of your feelings, but get up. Oh, yeah, I, I understand you wish it would have turned out different, but it didn't. Hey, guess what? Get up. It's not going to change in that position. It's not going to change if you do nothing. It's not going to change if you wallow in it. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get out of the dirt. Why, Lord, get your tail up? God's response is to not allow him to wallow in his defeat, but to motivate and push him to get up and take the actions necessary to change the situation. He is saying, as a command, I want you to do what's necessary so that you can successfully re-engage. And in this category of our vision, I'm giving you the same command. We've come through seasons where life has given you its best punch. And you know what? We're not just talking about COVID. People have just had stuff. People done bothered you, people done messed with you, people done stepped on your heart, people done did you wrong, people done said you had a job, then you didn't have a job, you thought you was going to get the bonus, didn't get the bonus, you thought you was okay with your mama, and you find out your mama don't really like you still. (laughs) And we can rattle off a bunch of things, but 
In summary, for everybody, life has been happening. Mm, let me put something right there. This is just a little bonus. Sometimes, and this is for whoever this is for, don't know, I'm just going to put it out in the airwaves. Sometimes, when you are going through an issue, and you bring your issue to somebody, and for whatever reason, you don't get the response that you want, what you do is that you take it out, even if internally, as anger or emotion or saying a negative word in your mind or when you get by yourself about that person because of the way that person did not respond in the way you hoped they would. Now, that's the setup to say this. What you fail to compute in your spewing out of what you want to do is that you are not the only one in the world going through something. Sometimes the person that you talking to, it's not that they don't care, but they got enough on, your pl on their plate without you coming and piling something else on their plate. And when you get mad at them, you're insensitive because they may be one comment away from tears themselves. Why do, so we rattle off all those examples and say life happened to everybody. And life happens at all ages. You could be 10 year old with have issues. You can be elementary school, going to school every day and your teacher bother you and you got an issue. Because you got four semesters of that. You got from September, August, all the way to about May with that. And that's the school you got. And that's the teacher you got. You might have friends in your class just bothering you. You know your mama, daddy told you don't fight. But you close to knocking them out today. But you know you might get in trouble. So it's issues. You might be in a household where the parents ain't getting along. You got issues. You're not big enough to move out. You got to deal with it. Hey, listen, you may, you, you, the, best, the best your mama can do might be oodles and noodles. I don't know. You might not be in a position to, to, to have all the things that you see all your other friends have. And if you think that sometimes that doesn't get to kids, it does. They're always, like, they're like adults. They compare. So they have things that they're wrestling with. You start to get a little older in, these, in this climate, and you don't have to be too much older, you end up in positions where sometimes a person of authority, a teacher or a coach, they're not quite right. And they exert their position power to get you to do things or to try to get you to do things that you, that you shouldn't do. But guess what? That's your sport. That's what you love to do. And they know that. Everybody got issues. You're trying, to, you're trying to be that young person that you know you're supposed to. You come to church. Your parents have put good values in. And you're having to deal with mess. Family, just be sensitive that when you're talking to somebody, you don't know what they already have going on in their life. 
That's just a little side note. But for here, for re-engage, God has given this Joshua a command to get up, stop groveling, and guess what? Re-engage. And I'm giving you the same command. And let me tell you, as your, as your papa pastor, I would be remiss in my duties if, although there are things that go on in your life, I would be remiss in my duties if I allowed you to have a pass on getting up. You don't get a pass at getting up. You don't get a pass at wallowing in. My role is to motivate you to get yourself up and move forward. That's what we're talking about with re-engage. We have a proverb in re-engage that we're talking about. One of the three scripture references. Let's get there now. Proverbs 24, verses 15 through 16. For the vision, it's in the Message Bible, but we're going to read it first out of the King James because this is one of the ones that people are used to hearing. You've read, you've read this before. Starting in King James, verse 15. Lay not, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times. And rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Here's the message version. Don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them, no matter how many times you trip them up. God loyal, say God loyal. God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. This says that God-loyal people don't stay down long. Now, who are God-loyal people? Family, let me go ahead, for those of you who've been here, and point you back to where we just came from. Restore. This is going to sound familiar because God-loyal people are people who have confidence in their God. God-loyal people are people that know that God cares, know that he's always there, know that he knows who they are, know that he knows who they're going through, what they're going through. God-loyal people are people who knows, hey, guess what? God created me as something marvelous. God created me as something unique. God created me as something that he wove together carefully, not just threw it together as a sack of bones and flesh. No, I'm something, I'm a marvelous creation. I'm made in his image, made in his likeness. They know that, guess what? I am valuable. Why? Because God-loyal people think like God. God-loyal people act like God. God-loyal people, because they think like God, not only know the value of themselves, because they know God's value of them, they know the value of others. God-loyal people are the ones that have so much confidence in God that even though they're going through something, they look up and say, you know what? 
all things work together for the good, for them who love God, for them who are called according to his purpose. So even though this thing has come my way, I know my God has not left my side. I know that he will work it out. So I'm going to go through. Even when I get knocked down, I'm going to get up. That's a God loyal person. And that kind of person don't stay down long. A God-loyal person does not stay down long. Soon they are up on their feet because they are up on their feet because their risen king empowers them to do so. And now holding on to this image right here, notice we got a highlight on that word because. I put that in there. God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet because. We're going to put a pause at the because. And let's talk about that some. Because loved ones, I, I, got, to, I got, to, got to let you know. When I say we're going at targeting something very specific today, we already got a little sprinkling on it when we say sometimes you are the one that keep you down but we're going to keep sprinkling that season on that until we get it drilled in and we're going to pick it up on part two next time. But get this. Why do I have you pause at the because? Because when you look at this as written in the Message Bible, keep in mind, the author wrote this in the context of this whole chapter, trying to convey us something very specific. But for us, I want to use from that highlighted part, God, loyal people, da-da-da-da-da, Stay on, get up on their feet. I want to use that more generally for us. And to move that, use that more generally, I have to inject an idea. And to inject that idea, I'm going to add in some words. Now, the Bible is clear. Don't be adding stuff to Scripture. So I want you to know what we're going to do now when we add, we ain't making new Scripture. So what we're doing is we're making something that when you see it, when your spirit hears it, when you read it, what's going to happen is you're going to say, I'd be doggone, that's right. Now, the definitive statement, which is I think is too definitive here, is this. It reads, God loyal people don't stay down long, definitive. Soon they're up on their feet. Ah, let's modify that. Here we go. Here is your modified version. We, we, we put some stuff there in red. And that's the B. Smith modified version. <laughs> now, we're going to explain this for the people who happen to catch this on audio that don't have the benefit of seeing, of seeing the actual image. We've added a set of things there, two things. And for example, where it reads, God loyal people don't stay down long. We've added two words. What are those words? Have to. So really, we're going to read it. God loyal people don't have to stay down long. Ah, come on with me now. Suck it. Here we go. I'm going to read the original message all the way to, and we're, I'm going to stop at their feet. And then together, we're going to read the modified one, and then we're going to stop at feet. So here is how it reads the way, you know, 
The Bible Bible got it. God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet. Modified. Let's go together. Go. God loyal people don't have to stay down long. For those with the determination to get up, soon they're up on their feet, period. Oh, you don't have to stay down long, but your tail can. But for those who have the determination to get up, for those that get it locked in their mind and they understand and acknowledge, hey, guess what? To get up, I got to get up. To fight, I got to fight. To try, I got to try. To start, I got to start. To engage, I got to engage. So that I, if I want to be in the game, I got to be in the game. If I want my name in the hat, I got to put my name in the hat. I got to engage life to engage life. For people that know that, they, they get up. But for people that say, whoa, it's me. Why did this happen to me? I don't understand why this happened to me. I can't get past this point. They don't get up. They don't get up. It starts... It happens to them in February, they're still there in March. They're still there in April. They're still there in November. Flip the calendar. They're still there in 2023. They're still there in 2024. They're still there in 2030. They're still there. They're still there. Why? Well, they're praying. Praying don't get you up. You get you up. You get you up. Hey, prayer may give you the solution to getting you up, Prayer may give you some, some internal courage and strength and hope that you can make it. Prayer may even, God may even console your pain through prayer. But he is not coming down to lift your 150, 250, 190, whatever you wear, 210, 110. He's not lifting you up. He's not coming down to do that. You got to get your own tail up. God loyal people. They don't have to stay down long. But sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Because the truth of the matter is, you don't have to stay down long, but you better believe you can if you don't elect to get up. For us, for this group, for us as a family, our goal is that we all have the determination to get up. That we are not the ones that when something happens to us, not making light of anybody's pain, not making light of what anybody's going through, but the worst thing you can do for yourself is help the devil by keeping yourself in a place of sorrow, in a place of worry in a place of pain, in a defeated position. That's where he wants you. Our goal when we say re-engage is that we shall be those people with a determination to get up. That being laid, let me pick up another seasoning bottle. I'm going to give you a premise because we're going to go to John chapter 20. 
And the premise is this. There is something that we tend to do that keep us in, the, in a position of being down. And there are a lot of things that we can put in this bucket, but I am, like I said, I am laser focused on one thing in particular. And we're going to crack that season and bottle open in John 20. Now, John 20, it is preceded by, of course, <laughs> John 19, right? And in John 19, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried, put in a tomb, roll over to John 20. And that's the account where some of his followers are going to learn, wow, Jesus has risen. Let's pick it up right there, though. We're not going to go through all of John 20, just the ones, the parts that are pertinent to us in this session. John 20, verses 1 through 11 in the voice. Here we go. Before the sun had risen on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene made a trip to, what's that word? The tomb. Hold on to that. 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 Good Lord. Good Lord. Hold on to that. Made a trip to the tomb where his body was laid to rest. In the darkness, she discovered the covering had been rolled away. She darted out of the garden to find Simon Peter and the dearly loved disciple to deliver the startling news. She says to them, they have taken the body of our Lord and we cannot find him. Together. They all departed for the tomb to see for themselves. They began to run, and Peter could not keep up. Peter must have been either old or slow. <laughs> he, he wasn't in y'all family, Miss Jackie. He wasn't, he wasn't that athletic. He would have been a disgrace. You want to call yourself part of our family? You can't even run. He probably had on some of Jesus sandals. The boy needs some Reeboks on or something. But anyway, he couldn't keep up. The beloved disciple arrived first, but did not go in. Guess what? There was no corpse in the tomb. Only the linens and the cloths and cloths he was wrapped in. When Simon Peter finally arrived, he went to the tomb and observed the same. The cloth that had covered his face appeared to have been folded carefully and placed, and not with the linen cloths, but to the side. After Peter pointed this out, the other disciples, the other disciple who had arrived long before Peter, also entered the tomb. <laughs> Peter went in first. So that tells me, like, they, they, they must have looked at Peter as someone who's more senior or more, something about Peter had them go, let's let Pete go in first. I don't think it was like a scary movie, like, let's let Peter go in first. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be in there. Come on, Pete. And they already know they can outrun Pete if something go down. So, yeah, let Pete go. That bag going to get him first. Let's send Pete in there. And Peter starts to say, okay, I'll go in there. <laughs> so after Peter pointed this out, the other disciple who had arrived long before Peter also entered the tomb. And based on what he saw, faith began to well up inside him. Okay, so get to feel that Peter and the, and the other disciple had some faith growing up. Before this moment, none of them understood the scriptures and why he must be raised from the dead. 
Then they all went to their homes. Now, family, read this last sentence with me. Ready, go. Mary, however, stood outside the tomb, sobbing, crying, and kneeling at his entrance. Now, Mary here, the other two have gone, has some faith, faith rolled up inside of them. But this is Mary. Standing outside or outside the tomb, sobbing, crying, and kneeling at his entrance. You may say to yourself, now why did the author put sobbing and crying? Well, the, the, the fine line there, or not a fine, it's a def, def, very bright line, but the line is, crying is water rolling down your face. I don't know if you've ever been before someone who would just cry silently. Maybe they were so mad they were crying. Maybe they wanted to say something back to you but they didn't want it to start crying. Maybe they got like something emotional to just start crying. But they were crying silently. Sobbing is more of an indication that there's something audible. That you're crying out of trauma. You're crying out of heartbreak. You're crying out of just why or why or why. That's sobbing. Yeah, you're just, oh, gee. So she's basically kneeling and snotting over everything. That was perfect. Like, oh, gee. Where they did our, where they took our Lord? Where's the Lord? Oh, Jesus, where's Jesus? Right? Sobbing and crying. Now, family, let me pull you in close. Mary is kneeling at the entrance of that tomb, sobbing and crying, looking for Jesus. But Jesus is not there because Jesus is alive. Say this with me. Say, Jesus is alive. She's not going to find him there because there is no life in a tomb. Family, she's kneeling at the entrance of a tomb looking for life looking for someone who's alive. But she's not going to find Jesus because there's no life in a tomb. We're going to say something together. Say this with me. The adversity in my life will entomb me if I let it. it. Sadly, Sadly, I will not find find the life life God has for me me. there. There There is no life life in a tomb. tomb. Loved ones, that betrayal that you keep reliving over and over in your mind, over and over in your life, it's a tomb. 
and you will not find the life that God has for you there because there's no life in a tomb. Say this with me. When it comes to that betrayal that I felt, I keep going back and kneeling at the entrance of that tomb. Yeah, the betrayal was bad. And every time you relive that, what you're doing is you're going back to the entrance of that tomb. And at the entrance of that tomb, for whatever reason, you're hoping that God will birth joy. But you will not find joy there. Why? Because joy is for the living. And the only thing in that tomb or associated with that tomb is death. And the times you, you spend kneeling at that tomb will only lead, leave you crying and sobbing. You, re, you replay that betrayal over and over and over and over again. You keep kneeling at that entrance of that dead, nothing tomb and you're looking for happiness, but you won't find it there. Why? Because happiness is for the living. Happiness is for those who are determined to engage life and move forward, not look back at dead things. And the more you continue to kneel at that entrance, all you find is crying and sobbing because there's no life at that tomb. You keep revisiting that betrayal and you're looking to find a new beginning, but you don't find it there. Why? Because there's no life there. A new beginning, hey, as far as we're concerned, in this life, that's for the living. The only thing you're going to find at that tomb is death. And as you kneel at that entrance and you keep bringing yourself to that point over and over and over again, all you end up is a person kneeling, crying, and sobbing. You keep kneeling at that tomb associated with that relationship breakup. You keep kneeling at the entrance of that tomb concerning that divorce. You keep kneeling at the entrance of that tomb concerning that separation. And kneeling at the entrance of that tomb for whatever reason you think by doing so you're going to hopefully find joy. You're going to find happiness. You're going to find a new beginning. No ma'am, no sir. Only thing you're going to find in a tomb is death because joy and happiness and new beginnings is for the living. If you keep going back to that entrance and kneeling and focusing on it, all you're going to do is end up a blubbering, sobbing, crying mess. You won't, you won't move forward. No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't move forward. Because you're hoping that by continuing to rehearse it, that you somehow get life out of a tomb. And no matter how many times you go to your knees and you cry, you cannot pull life out of a tomb. That's why she can't pull Jesus out of there. 
he's not there because he knows I'm alive. I don't belong in a tomb. Whatever happened to you, you don't belong there. It happened to you. It does not have to become you. There's a big difference. Yeah, that personal failure that you had, yeah, you started the business, it didn't work. Yeah, you tried this, it didn't work. Yeah, you, just because you fail, it doesn't mean you're a failure, but you have marked yourself as a failure, and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you bring yourself to the interest of that tomb of that failure, and you kneel, and somehow you think you're going to pull joy out of that, but you're not, because joy is for the living. And as long as you keep revisiting that failure, you can never move forward in life. You think you're living, but you're not. You keep returning to the point to where something in you died and hoping you can get life out of that, but you can't. The only way you get life is that you engage life with the purpose and the intent of living. You can't live life through death. You can't live in this life that way. Yes, I know I heard somebody say it, but pastor, if we're, if we're in Christ, we can live, live life through death. I'm talking about you at 18, 15, Curlew Road, wherever you live right now. I'm talking about you right now. And if you think that you can have joy, that you can have happiness, that you can experience laughter, that you can have a new beginning by keep going, going and kneeling in front of any old tomb that you have, you are mistaken. You can't, you, you can't spend your life kneeling at a tomb and hope to find the God kind of life there. You won't find the life God has for you there. You will find the God kind of life for you where the life-giving spirit leads you. Say this with me, family. To re-engage life, re life, I must, I must, I must. I must Stop searching, Stop searching for a new beginning, a new beginning. In, any in any of my old tombs. My old tomb. Loved ones, Jesus emerged out of that tomb through the power of God's living spirit. And when you said yes to Jesus, that same living spirit, that same spirit of the living God came inside of you. You have the ability, no matter what you went through, to come out of that tomb and walk away from it. Unclothe yourself from what that tomb had you wrapped in. Leave it, fold it right there on the slab and walk out in the newness of life. 
because the God living, the living God is on the inside of you, giving you the ability to become brand spanking new. You don't belong in a tomb unless you, unless you don't want to get up. But now, if you, if you don't want to get up, go ahead, baby, make yourself at home in a tomb. By the way, it's cold in that tomb. It's dark in that tomb. It's, the air is stale in that tomb. Don't many people come and visit you in that tomb. Oh, but guess what? Maybe you have what you want. You'll be all by yourself for sure. There's limited space to grow in that tomb. You can't thrive in that tomb. You can't reach other people for the kingdom in that tomb. You got to get yourself out that tomb. And the spirit of God is inside of you to help you get out of that tomb. Ain't, ain't, ain't no prosperity in the tomb. No houses, no land, no sevenfold. Only thing you can fold in there is your clothes, if you can see. <laughs> Family. Mary, at the interest of a tomb, crying. If only someone could have told her, which Jesus ultimately did, but if somebody could have told at that moment, baby, what's living is not in there. And you have the same power on the inside of you to get you out of your tomb. We're all familiar with, in John, it's like somewhere between chapters 14 and 17. Jesus is talking about, listen, when I get up out of here, I'm going to tell the Father to send you, he called it the comforter, but the Holy Spirit. In John 20, I want to show you Jesus' impartation to the disciples, though. Jumping down to verse 20 in chapter 20. The Bible says in the voice, verses 20 through 23, as he was speaking to Jesus, he revealed the wounds in his hands and side the disciples began to celebrate as it sank in that they were really seeing the Lord. Jesus then says, I give you the gift of peace in the same way the Father sent me, I am now sending you. Now he drew close enough to each of them that they could feel his breath. Only thing I'll say there is the closer you get to your God, the more life comes your way. Mm. But he said he breathed on them. And what did he say? What did these words go? Welcome the Holy Spirit of the living God. The Bible says he breathed on them and he said, welcome the Holy Spirit of the living God. You now have the mantle of God's forgiveness. As you go, you're able to share the living, the life-giving power to forgive sins or to withhold forgiveness. 
In other words, I'm now giving you the power to go out and express that if you accept this Holy Spirit, hey, you can have that eternal life. If you don't want him, good. Well, you just know you just can't be forgiven unless you come through Christ. He's not giving people power to say, I don't, God ain't going to forgive you. He don't give, anybody that say, think they had a power, they don't have that power. That goes through Christ. But he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And when he breathed on them with the Holy Spirit, he says, welcome the Holy Spirit of the living God. Many of us have gone through this Christian life hearing that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, but have you ever welcomed him? Have you ever truly taken the time to allow him to lead and guide? Or have you just, just through hearing, acknowledged the Holy Spirit is there, but never really tapping into his power to get you out of your tomb? Now, prior to this point, I can imagine that the disciples were, they felt kind of defeated. They felt kind of like, you know, we don't have no hope. What's up? They didn't crucify our Lord. But here, Jesus, he begins to turn the tables. And he imparts to them a power that allows them to get this, both re-engage the kingdom work and re-engage life. The same thing applies to us. We have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, and that gives us to abil the ability, no matter what we've gone through, to both re-engage the work of the kingdom and re-engage life. And loved ones, we're going to bring this to a close with this. Say this with me. I know the spirit of the living God resides in me. Therefore, I can re-engage life successfully. Here is what I must do. I must focus on the spirit within me that leads me to life and I need to stop kneeling at the entrance of my tombs as there is no life for me in there. Family. If you're going to re-engage life, you got to stop kneeling at any of your tombs. It may be true that whatever happened to put you in that tomb knocked you down. But you do not have to accept that's your lot in life. What you need is determination. What you need is gumption. What you need is drive. What you need is a will to get up. And you can 
because the power on the inside to do so, you already got it. You have to, one, tap into it, and then, two, get yourself up. Get yourself up. Mm. To be continued. Mm. I love you, family. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here, that we, if we were to number the amount of issues and ups and downs and things that we've been through, we'd, we'd fill up pages and pages. But regardless of what we've either been through or are going through, we start at the point that, hey, you haven't left us. We know that you're there. And through the power of the living God, we can re-engage. We're going to change our mindset. We're going to change our focus. Looking and spending so much time at our tombs is not getting us to look forward at life. We change that today. We want to go where the living spirit leads. And we're not going to stand in the way. We're not going to be our own stumbling block. We're going to be a promoter. Ooh. Yeah, God, we're going to be, oh, we're going to be a promoter of our own happiness. We're going to be a promoter of our own new beginning. We're going to be a promoter of our own joy. We're going to be a promoter on our, of our own fresh start. And anybody who looks to take me back there, we're going to let them know up front. Stop trying to drag me back to the entrance of that tomb. I thank you for giving us the desire to make that so in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.